gentlemen, boys and girls, it's another week, another episode of Cincy Brewcast, the voice of Cincy Craft. Um, headphone volume super loud. Normally I'm running five different sets of headphones off of the one splitter, so it kind of drowns the signal out a little bit. It's nice and big and loud. And <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Evan Rouse, welcome back to the show. It's uh, It's been a little while since we had, I think it was... Uh, Without looking at my notes, like Dark Charge Day, two, two years, years ago, ago. two Dark Charge. That's been a while. That's been a while. <laughs> Yet you still are right up there in the running as the most appearances on the show. I think Andy Reynolds definitely has you beat at this point, <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm always wondering if he's just going to show up during a show just to keep his numbers up there. <laughs> How are you? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Uh, busy. You guys are too. Um, timeliness is kind of be going to be odd in this show because it's not posting, you know, this week. But um, you guys have all kinds of tanks coming in the door. I sat <laughs> yeah. down at the bar to uh, to get some work done before we started the show, and I just heard all this noise, and I look back and I'm like, how in the hell are they going to fit more tanks oh, yeah. back there? Yeah, yeah, you're you're squeezing them. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been wild. We uh, kind of rearranged the entire brewery, relocated the mill room. Got rid of our cold box, got a smaller cold box, shuffled things around, added yeast propagation and a bunch of other stuff. And then in the meantime, we're adding 260-barrel fermenters, 440s, and 150-barrels storage tank. I'm, I'm sure I've probably asked you this question every time you guys have some kind of major expansion, but could you have envisioned what it looks like back there now when you guys opened your door? Not at all. Not at all. I feel like every time you do something, you're like, okay, that's it. We're, we've got it full. There's nothing else we can do. And yet, I think every, I think this every time is six full. months later, it's like, okay, we can probably do this. If we tape this to the ceiling and screw this to the side <laughs> of the building, we can... Uh, no, I think we're I think we're busting at the seams now. Um, the this has got to be probably the last tank expansion inside anyway. I know we still have the option to go outside, but um, it, it it gets pretty tight back there now. Um, but we're we're going to be able to keep up this this year. We hope. I imagine a big piece of that is Vive. Um, Vive is a piece of that. That's for sure. Has, <laughs> I think everybody. I won't say everybody. There were a lot of people that said as soon as the weather kind of turned, everybody was just going to stop drinking seltzer, and it was going to be this this trend that went away. And I think there was probably a little bit of a, a, a downturn uh, when it was cold outside, but not nearly what people oh, no. were saying it was going to be. No, it definitely has some seasonality to it. But uh, this year, compared to the years past, it didn't dip as much as it has in the past. So that's a good thing. Um, but production for that product definitely slows down in the winter. Right. It's a, it's a I'm at the lake, I'm at the pool, uh, I'm on the golf course type drink. Um, but yeah, this this will definitely help with with Vive production because it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a beast. It, it's crazy to watch um, everything that's happening and to just to try to think back, uh, you know, when you guys were opening your doors, which was the same time we were starting the brewcast, thinking about what was going on then, the things we talked about then, the things that were important then, the things that you thought were going to happen. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, shit, I was, you know, we had no idea what we were in for oh, yeah. with all of this. It's 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 been fun to watch. But uh, let's start off with drinking a beer. From the beer because, fridge. Um, it's, I don't even know what day is it, a Wednesday right now? It is. Um, Wednesday, after work, I need to drink a beer. I um, grabbed Twist a bit because this might be my favorite beer that you guys make. Might be. Uh, I'm sure like in, in like three hours, like, oh my God, no, this one is my favorite. No, this is definitely probably really close up there, and I I freaking love it. And I'm glad to see it on, on tap again for now. Well, thank you. It's, uh, it's definitely one of my favorites. Uh, hits a special place in home for me. Um, it's our bartender Andy Mingus's favorite beer, and when it's not on tap, it's all I hear about. Um, so we brought it back. We had a spare twenty barrel fermenter open, brewed into it, and it's selling like crazy. So, so a lot of the a lot of the original people really love it too. Well, and you know when you talk about tank space and things like this, um, five does not take up a lot of tank space for a long time. Whereas something like this is the complete opposite of the spectrum. Um, how how has that changed kind of the way you guys brew or the decisions the uh the, the i mean you guys have a limited amount of space yeah. you're, you're 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 tight <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine like the i don't know the spreadsheet that has to be put together to kind of map out when things are being made and when things are being like i 
I can't even imagine what that looks it gets, like. It gets tough. Uh, we use an ERP system that helps a lot. Um, but what for does this ERP stand for? Uh, enterprise Resource Planning. That's um, way not exciting. So basically, it's really boring, <laughs> and it's based on so SAP, so it's kind of outdated and antiquated, but it does a good job. So it handles everything from our financial management to production scheduling, ordering raw materials, inventory, everything. Um, and so it all files into this one application where you can do all production scheduling across three facilities now. Um, but it, it for, for beers like Twisted Bit, when you want to put them in a tank, it gets a little tricky because this is our production facility. So we're pumping out beers that go as far as Cleveland and Nashville and Knoxville and Indianapolis now and uh, making sure that we're... We're good on inventory for the core products, but we're keeping enough variety in our tap rooms, and right. that's where things like Twisted Bit come in. Uh, Labs helps a lot, uh, and the Barrel House Brew House just got online not too long ago. Um, but but really, it, the decision is based on okay, um, the 120 barrel fermenters are always full with core products, so right. your Tropic Flare, your Garage Beer, those kinds of things. And then when you have a break in the production schedule and you have an open 20 barrel fermenter, which we have three of. Uh, currently one because these two that are sitting right next to us are not plugged in or <laughs> hooked up to glycol or anything. Um, we slot it in um, and we try to keep that fresh. So I think when Twisted Bit came out, Igniter went in because we brew that every year just for kind of right. ties to the community and home right. brewing and all that and it being kind of the OG beer that really got us into to what we're doing today. Um, it, it is tricky. It is tough. Uh, our head of operations, Zach Cornelison, uh, kind of runs with that, and it's uh, a lot of it lives up here in his head, uh, but a lot of it's in, in multiple pieces of paper, spreadsheets, and that that O beer program. Is it, is it really like um, you know, almost like a like a puzzle piece where you know you've got X amount of time where this tank will be available, and then you can kind of look at beers that fit into that and and then if it if you do have enough free space and like oh we can we can do twist a bit or we can do you know what other um logger that might be fun at the time in your head you know oh yeah it's <laughs> it's basically a giant gantt chart but across for uh what i guess is now eighteen tanks and that's just eighteen here? just fermenters just at that's hq crazy. Um, but then you can overlay it with labs and barrel right. house and try to fit stuff in. So now that barrel house is up and running more, are we going to start seeing more of that stuff come over here at all? Those or? things will probably stay on tap at barrel house just because it's such a low volume. Right. Um, you're looking at five to six half barrels per brew. Um, and the first three turns on his brew house are all, um, experimental uh, test batches for future HQ products because right. uh, it scales pretty linearly between the two systems. Uh, so those will go on tap as a different name, trying to create different things that we might make year-round or a seasonal or what right. have you. So those are either, if they make it on tap, they'll probably be at Barrel House because we're trying to provide a unique experience there, focused on barrel-aged beers, but you also can't have a facility that only has barrel-aged beer. Right. Um, well, I mean, you could. You could. <laughs> Just wouldn't be very. Wouldn't be very pretty. <laughs> it would. Uh, it, it would depend on who was there and how long they stayed there. <laughs> exactly. But, um, you know, it. It's part of what I like about coming here, though, is like you, you walk up there and the tap list isn't just, you know, those those core beers. There are things that kind of drift over from labs and kind of go back and forth, and you, you know. If you you know say it's somebody that lives you know next door in an apartment or something and this is their spot, they don't necessarily have to drive to Labs or they don't necessarily have to drive to Barrel House. They can still kind of get some of that here if they want to. I kind of like that, but um, yeah, I, I get that uh, Barrel House is probably a little little more difficult yeah. too. <laughs> Those kegs will go very quickly here. Yep. <laughs> um, we're not talking just about how you guys have grown and stuff today. We're we're here to talk about uh, this year's Graders oh, collaborations yeah. because Plural. there's uh, again talking about those three locations. There's three very distinct personalities of Braxton now, and I think you guys are finally starting to kind of crack that code of how you how you tie them together but how you kind of give them their own separate personalities and um I, I think that this might be the first kind of overall release well no i guess dark charge kind of is the first one where we really start to see that yeah. coming to life but um this will definitely be the the the, the more uh accessible 
of them. It'll the definitely be the, the bigger of the two, and, and it'll definitely be the first to hit distribution in our in our regional markets. Um, pretty pretty intriguing. It's pretty interesting. Uh, we kind of took a step back and met with the Graders family and talked about kind of what we wanted to achieve this year. Um, and while Graders Black Raspberry Chocolate Chip uh, Milk Stout is always going to be a fan favorite, and we're, we probably will bring that back. Do you uh, do you watch Untapped at all? Uh, occasionally. Do you know how they all rank on Untapped as far as people's favorites? I don't. Uh, what do you think? What do you think is the uh, the Untapped favorite? Because that might not be the same as what is when you stand at the bar and talk to people. Key lime pie would be my guess. No. Is it black raspberry? Black raspberry. Um, the, the latest batch of black raspberry is uh, the highest rated, um, followed by key lime pie, followed by. Let's see, this has some variants thrown in there too, so it's confusing. Um, then comes pumpkin. Pumpkin, then blueberry. I don't even see the blueberry. Oh, there's a, no that one. These aren't in order. <laughs> Blueberry is just a hair behind key lime and then pumpkin. However, if you sort it by popularity, which I don't know what that means, I guess how many people have checked it in, pumpkin pie comes up first. Okay. So I don't know. Interesting. So I don't yeah, actually no, that's, know the answer. That's interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's definitely a favorite, um, but we kind of wanted to take a, take a year off. Um, and kind of redefine what we wanted to do with that partnership. Um, and we thought it'd be, you know, we've done two releases in the past, three releases in a, in a year, calendar year, uh, and we thought it might make a lot of sense to kind of play on each of our locations as a release. Um, so the first release this year, uh, which is sitting in front of us here, gets released shortly, um, is a... It's a totally new new product. It took a lot of kind of work to kind of create uh, another take on one of their year-round ice creams. Um, new package format, which is pretty exciting. Um, and this is the HQ variant of right. Graders this year, which is a uh, black cherry chocolate chip white stout. Four packs of 16-ounce cans instead of the uh, the 12-ouncers, which I think is a great move, especially with a beer like this. Yep. Um, there are some beers that I don't necessarily like in 16-ounce cans, but um, a, a, a white stout, I'm, I'm all about it. Oh, yeah. It, so we really wanted to, to play towards the fact that cherry always brings... Can we dive into one yeah. of these while you're talking? Cherry always brings this beautiful color. Uh, to beer, and had we put that in a brown ale or a stout or a porter, it would just look like those beers, you know, a brown ale or a porter or a stout. And we really wanted this beer to have a red or pink hue, and we achieved that uh, probably right around the time we added 3,500 pounds of cherry puree to each tank. Um, but we brewed it, if you recall, Bluff, uh, our white stout that we did years ago, mm -hmm. uh, very similar to that. Um, except we re-fermented with a ton of cherries, uh, added a little bit of coffee and a little bit of cocoa definitely nibs. definitely get the, the coffee. Oh, yeah. It's got that beautiful color. It's got that kind of off-white pink hue in the head. Um, the coffee is prominent right now. Um, but I bet by the oh, time man, it's available, great. it'll kind of round out and the flavors will really meld. This being packaged today was separated yesterday and in the bright for less than 24 hours. So coffees usually die off pretty right. quickly. So my thought is by the time it hits store shelves, it'll be a beautiful balance of those three flavors. This probably goes really, really good with the ice cream, too, with that, that coffee flavor. And oh, man, this is this is great. <laughs> I'm really, really happy with how this came out. I think everything about this beer is kind of taking us back to um, what we set out to do with the Graders family. And uh, we get to take it to them and try it with them on Monday, which I'm super excited about. Um, and so, yeah, we get this is the this is the Braxton Brewing Covington uh, version of Graders this year. It's uh, it's it's really, really light and bright for uh for a beer loaded with, with coffee and um, you said there's chocolate in there too. Coconut, like yeah. that's like it's it's crazy the color you guys got out of it. Yeah. I've seen I've seen some white stouts that still kind of end up with a uh, little bit of a, a murky kind of look to them. Yeah. Um, the you know kind of the 
toes the line a little heavier on the, the stout side yep. versus the uh, the white side in this one. Um, if you saw this sitting on a bar, you would never guess the the flavors that you're getting out of it. Yeah, we really we we toned back the coffee and cocoa nib edition from bluff uh because we really wanted the cherry and the chocolate to to take center stage um and and i think they do that but we had to add those two things we definitely wanted to add cocoa nibs from the beginning just because we wanted that chocolate cherry uh kind of union together uh whereas the coffee and cocoa nibs also kind of give you that roastiness that stouts are typically known for so this would be really good with a a piece of pie and a big scoop of vanilla ice cream yeah (laughs) this is this is fantastic thank you um before we kind of dive into the other uh, stuff from the uh, the collaboration, um, what do you know about graders in general? We should we should talk about graders a little bit. Graders ice yeah. cream. Um, did you get talking points on the histories of uh, graders? I, I doubt it. Um, <laughs> That's okay. I, I know. <laughs> I know that they are coming up on their 189th, 185th. Uh, they were founded in 1870. Yeah, so I, I can't do that math at all. Because we've got an email to come to. They, they're reopening their OTR location, their scoop shop and in OTR. And would be they are having a giant party to celebrate the reopening on Fountain Square. It is their 150th year. Yeah, that um, makes sense. <laughs> which is incredible. Family-run business, 150 years old. Best ice cream um, ever, in my opinion. Um, uh, and in a lot of people's opinions. I think Oprah yeah. said that it was her favorite ice cream at one point. Um, I don't know how many points that is in Weight Watchers now. but um, <laughs> uh, there's I didn't write everybody down, but there's been a whole list of celebrities that swear by it. Because you can get graters anywhere in the, in the country now. Like they yep. have, they can, They'll ship it with dry ice and stuff. And you can, you, I think they have a huge... Like, group of people in california that they send it out there they um they've got obviously their their stores around town which i'm excited i live in fairfield jungle gyms is adding a graders finally with a drive-thru that's awesome (laughs) so you don't have to go in the store to get your you just go through the drive-thru and get your (laughs) graders um and uh i mean they're just like one of those places i know nationwide obviously there's some other big ice cream brands be it ben and jerry's or haagen or whatever there are not many places that there is a local ice cream company that beats those brands yeah. except here in cincinnati oh, yeah. with graters and it's I, just so you rich know, and you know, ben delicious. from ben and jerry's has actually gone on record saying no that's really good ice cream i i like that yeah <laughs> so i mean like that means something about what they're doing i you know we go into the details about the the process they have some kind of uh, what do they call French it? Like a pot. French French pot. I don't understand. It's something about like a tube and a bowl and it is, cold to stuff. The, to this date, it is the I, coolest facility have tour you gotten I've to go ever and been see, on. Yes, that would it be cool. Is, out of all the things I've gotten to tour in the six years that we've been here, the coolest thing I've ever. I mean, we had to wear the hair nets and the full body suits and everything. <laughs> is there but a it picture was, of that somewhere? Uh, there might be. I, I, I need that up. on social media when you guys. Uh, <laughs> but it is. It was the coolest tour. And they've got, I think it's 12, maybe 15 French pot stations. And they literally make ice cream two gallons at a time. And they they come in with their cream mixture, and then they add their inclusions, whether it's uh, the chocolate chunks or whatever it might be. Well, it's something that you don't you don't think about when you when you think about ice cream. Like the, the actual process of it freezing is going to be different if you scale it up too big. Like you have to keep it to that small oh, yeah. size to get that texture. Two, right. two gallons at a time goes into this little pot that's cooled on the underside, and they're stirring and mixing by hand, and that's freezing it. And they're hand packing every pint, Jesus every Christ. quart, every gallon <laughs> goes down to a conveyor airline gets palletized it is truly by hand the if, entire process if somebody wants to know the definition of craft that's it. oh yeah it's so it's so cool to watch and and that's probably one of my favorite things about this collaboration is uh you know this beer might not be for everybody but but it's cool because we're getting people that have have, have come to braxton who have never stepped foot in a brewery before because they want to try the beer version of this ice cream but also the partnership uh, jake and rich speak on a regular basis i speak with bob all the time he's kind of their the me of the ice cream world at Grater, so he's do, he does R and D, he does quality, he he works on new flavors. Uh, so when we called him and said, "Hey, I've got this idea. Uh, we're going to take a break from black raspberry chip this year. What if we did this?" He's like, "I like that idea." Uh, and so we kind of work together on how we're going to create those flavors and what we're going to do. And it, it's a beautiful partnership. It really is. It's it's a, there there aren't a lot of companies um, that I'm aware of that have that kind of history to them still. I mean, there's, there's a few around Cincinnati for sure that have been here for a long time. I mean, you know, it was founded by a guy whose parents were German immigrants came to the city and like he started his little ice cream shop. (laughs) Like it's, it's just such a neat story and such a, uh, 
um, a neat family and a neat product and um, it makes a lot of sense to uh, to partner up with you guys I think uh, there will hopefully you know the, there will come that point in Cincinnati's history or Covington's history I guess is probably the more appropriate way of saying it where people are going to look back at what this place was and hopefully there'll be some other little Rouse guy running around here uh, yeah. or girl Rouse yeah. guy or girl yeah. uh, making beer and managing the spreadsheet <laughs> that'd be awesome <laughs> Um, I, uh, um, I, I I like that idea of um, families having a business that kind of passes through generations, and it's it's really hard to do oh, yeah. nowadays. And uh, you know, uh, should you and your wife decide to have children, you have to start drilling into their head from a very young Beard. age. This is <laughs> this is your legacy. <laughs> I think my favorite slogan out of any brewery or business out there is Sierra Nevada. It's on every can. Family family owned and argued over. Oh, and, I mean, and it's, it makes perfect sense. I, I can only imagine like the sadness that they see like in today's kind of beer world. Every time they see like a, you know, whoever, um, kind of making other decisions about where that business goes, and like it's like oh shit, like, yep. you know, like there's another one, and like having to be that 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 craft brand that's still carrying that flag. That it's like you know what we really want this to to be this and keep that idea forever and. It's, it's a tough thing to do sometimes. Oh, yeah. For <laughs> sure. Not that I fault the people who have had to go other directions because I get it. It doesn't always work out the way you want it to, but um, yeah, we're way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> so three different releases, uh, three different facilities. First one, uh, HQ. Um, and you can tell when you look at the can. So the Braxton logo on top will be the same on all of them, right? But on the back... Um, where you have the, the Graders logo underneath of that will be different for each location, yep. if I'm right. Um, the second one, is that going to be Labs? That'll be Labs. Look how good I am. <laughs> did you get did you get talking notes from Mitch? I didn't get talking notes. I actually <laughs> sat down a few weeks ago and talked to Mitch because it was his way of getting me to not start talking about it loudly. <laughs> he said, no, no, don't talk about it yet, but come in and I'll start to, I'll tell you about it and we'll figure something out. <laughs> That's what I'm curious. I'm curious if I'm supposed to talk about what the beers are or just the fact that Labs has one in Barrel House. I don't know. <laughs> See, I already got in trouble once. But I mean, the, so the label for Labs has been approved, Proved. so it is public. Yeah. Um, the Barrel House is not, though. So I don't know. Really? That makes. I, at least I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen anything come through for Kentucky in. February. I know, I know yet, that we so. did a test batch of Barrel Houses variant weeks ago and it's aging in a bourbon barrel is the barrel house release going to leave the barrel house yeah okay so uh, there goes that idea <laughs> well if it's not leaving the barrel house it will have to leave the barrel house it will be in it's either going to be 16 ounce cans four pack or four 12 ounce cans okay uh it is a barrel aged product of course which makes sense uh, and then labs, uh, and I've asked Mitch if I'm allowed to discuss this, but until then, um, the, the labs variant is quintessential labs. So if you think about the beers they brew over there, uh, and you think about what graders flavors are available in the summer, um, it's a play on both of those. Uh, and it, it's very, we it's can very just talk labs. about it. And if we're, we have to beep it out later, we can, <laughs> he's typing, which right would now. be hilarious <laughs> <Beep>. <laughs> every time we mention the flavor. Um, so how did you guys decide on each of the different flavors um, and how you figured out which one probably should go to HQ, which one should go to Labs, which one should go to Barrel House? How did you guys figure that out? Yeah, that was, uh, was a fun process. Uh, it was really a lot of me staring at Grader's website, going <laughs> through their limited releases, working with Bob Grader on what their limited releases would be, um, if they had any big pushes for this coming year right. um, that they really wanted to get a lot of attention to, um, and looking at what's seasonal, what's year-round, etc. Um, and then I made a list of about 12 to 15 flavors, and I kind of cued it down. Um, then the idea came of what if we did three releases th for three facilities, and then you kind of just made the pairing. Uh, okay, out of this twelve, uh, this list of twelve different ice creams, what makes the most sense for each location, and and what could you do with that particular ice cream? So, um, you know, like this one being one of their longest running year-round 
ice creams, it made a lot of sense that it would be a Covington uh, release. Um, the barrel house variant, obviously being barrel aged, right. uh, so you know there's a play there. And then you got the labs labs variant that's always doing either um, uh, New England IPAs, milkshake IPAs, uh, fruited sours, Berliners, etc., um, and, and kind of taking on that fruit theme and how you can play that into the type of beers that Labs is known for brewing. Right. Um, and so it, it kind of came down from a list of 12, and you looked at that list, and you go, okay, that j- I mean, it lined up pretty quickly. Um, and then we took our ideas to the Graders family and said, I, this makes a lot of sense. Um, and it worked out really, really well. Have they ever said no on something? Like, that's not the direction that we want to go, not even just this year necessarily, but just in general. They seem very... Uh Agreeable every time I've heard anybody talk. Oh about yeah, they're, they're, I, I love working with them. They, they they bring a lot of ideas to the table, and if they don't like something, they'll tell you they don't like it. Um, especially if it's a beer, like we had, and we did four or five, six different trials of the first ever black raspberry chip. Just really trying to dial that. Can we talk in. about that for Because I know you guys went through a couple different recipes on that, even on each release, and I know some of the geeks kind of uh, turned on that first batch and said that it didn't taste like the ice cream. Yep. My impression when that was first announced is it's not supposed to taste like the ice It's not supposed to taste like ice cream in a glass. Yep. It was supposed to be a beer that had some uh, personality of the ice cream, went really well with the ice cream, and was still a beer. Yep. What the hell happened? Why? Why is that message lost? I don't. I don't know. But I, I know exactly what you're referring to. And I mean, it, it was. That was one it of was the most frustrating beer, really, because it was obviously a, still a success. Frustrating it was is still a, a success. Frustrating is a great word. I and, love and that at, beer. At that point, I think we just kind of internally sat down, like we we were getting shit on by all the beer geeks. Um, and, do you, and do you think that part of the reason that the, the and I use geeks very loosely, do you think part of the reason they they kind of decided to shit on you for it was because it was such a big release do you think that plays into it i don't know i because all all, all i know is that we grandma lined up on the sidewalk buying beer and she had never had a craft beer before (laughs) at at the end of the day we kind of just once we saw how the overall release went we kind of just just took a step back and looked at at the positives and and decided that maybe it wasn't a release for those geeks or nerds that are lining up for for releases uh, because there were more people in our facility that had never stepped foot into a brewery uh, let alone Braxton uh, that were coming to try it and they loved it and they loved the experience and now they've got this whole new kind of open concept of wow you can actually go to this place and drink this beer um, so it's not necessarily gaining a new craft these, beer customer these but craft you're gaining, brewery things are really great they have ice cream trucks that just show up and give out free <laughs> ice cream this is great <laughs> exactly <laughs> must be like this all the time <laughs> but yeah so I, I don't know and then and then year two came around and we reformulated because uh, we wanted to take that feedback to heart and we did and we reformulated and added more black raspberry cut back on the cocoa nibs a little bit and i still think we probably got shit on for that but at that point in time like it went so well and it just brought in a whole new consumer base not just to braxton but to the industry which was really cool um so not not every beer is for every person i guess at the end of the day i think it's it's hard when it's a beer that is so so big like that it's everybody's writing about it, everybody's talking about it, everybody's lining up for it every my, my wife was going to jungle gyms at like noon on a tuesday or something because to, to grab a four pack before they were all gone off the floor like it was it was crazy like i've i've i don't think i've ever seen that happen again fiona came close with yeah. listerman but not in the same way like it was yeah it was selling out of kroger i mean we sold out of it we didn't know that people were going to line up here uh, around the block because we were we had announced the entire time it that was going to be available. That wasn't Kroger. a thing yet, though. Like in Cincinnati, it, it, right? It was. That it was. was, it was. People was, were lining up for for Listerman releases, this, that, and the other. We just like we thought it was going to be a regular seasonal release in the way that okay, we push and all of our all of our social media advertising was that this will be available at your local retailer. You don't have to come to Braxton to pick it up, mm-hmm. and we had we we exceeded capacity. We had the fire marshals here. We were one in, one out. There was a party on the street because we couldn't get everybody in. We sold out <laughs> of the the product that we had allocated for the tap room in in a split second, and it was incredible to see. Uh, the next day, we had our tent company come out, and put a tent on the street so we could out because that was a Friday. Like, right. I mean, it was a Friday of all things, and we were selling out in Kroger in hours. Like we would, Jake and I were driving around with the sales team. We'd we'd drive by a Kroger, make sure that they got their. Display 
play, and then we'd go back an hour later and it'd be gone. <laughs> and, and it was a very big learning experience for all of us. Um, but yeah, I, at the end of the day, you're right. It wasn't. We weren't trying to take the ice cream and, and put it into a glass. And I think that's that's what excites me the most about these beers is that you get you get the hints of the of the ice cream and you you build the recipe off that ice cream but you're not trying to if you want the ice cream in a can i mean i can give you that i'll throw 400 pounds of lactose (laughs) into it it'll be way too sweet it won't be enjoyable you're going to drink one can maybe a half a can and move on and that's just not what we wanted to do and i think that's why if you look at the graders pumpkin that's probably one of my favorites that we've done because it's a great pumpkin beer and it's it's got all the notes of the ice cream and it, it's got a little bit of sweetness and creaminess in the mouthfeel, but it's still a beer, and you can have right. more than one of them. So. So when you have a release like that first, um, uh, black chocolate chip raspberry, um, how does that affect releases from then on out? Like knowing that something like that can happen just randomly with something, how does that affect the way you guys? market a release or plan a release or how how does that affect things from then on out it's really it's really using uh your advertising outlets or your social media as a gauge on what that release is going to be like so for dark charge we know what it's going to be like and and we still gauge it on how big we need to make the event based on uh, customer feedback or social engagement um, or the weather report or the weather report <laughs> yeah all these things are factors uh, but with with things like graders releases and whatnot it's the same thing you know if, if at dark charge we've got thousands and thousands of people that say they're interested or thousands of people that say they're going um, you take that information for whatever release and then you scale the party or release as, as big or as little as you need to to be able to accommodate as many guests as you can if that makes sense. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of our approach to how we do that. We we don't want to be caught in that scenario again, because right. um, we I mean we've been open for a couple of years and we had thrown anniversary parties in dark charge and we looked like complete amateurs, uh, and we don't we don't like that. We <laughs> we know how to we know how to plan parties and do releases right in our opinion, and and to see kind of you know being at capacity with a line down the block and the fire marshal saying we need to get rid of forty or fifty people like that's not fun for anybody right. um so now we just try to get ahead of it it makes makes for a good story years later though true <laughs> like, do true. you remember that time <laughs> um did uh did he text you back about i'm not times? allowed to say what they oh, are that's but lame. i've given i've given you some hints so okay there's some good there's some good little nuggets in there i mean we 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 know that what is coming out of um out of labs will be something you are not surprised to see come out of labs uh we know that the the barrel house likes barrel aged beer (laughs) so beyond that um it'll be i guess a surprise um so are these going to be three separate they're they're definitely three separate releases three different times throughout the year not that far apart though if i remember right so this is supposed to be usually we release this like january february i think this is going to be march now early march late feb um, the other one is June or July, I believe, and the last one's in September. Okay, I think. Is that going to be kind of a, a thing going forward too, to kind of stretch the uh, the, the the greaters collabs out throughout? I the think year so. Like I, that? We tried to do it last year with with black raspberry, key lime, and pumpkin, um, and and I think it worked well because um, we try to we try to play on the timeliness of their ice cream so that you right. can have the ice cream and the beer as a comparison side by side and do events with them and market. Uh, and in the tap rooms, um, and it, it seems to work. Um, so, if this year goes well, I don't see why we would change kind of that mentality. Um, I am very excited to see how this goes because it's, I mean, changing you're changing your packaging format, and you're still using the same premium ingredients, this, that, and the other. But um, you got to think about your distribution footprint when you go from a twelve pack of six, uh, six pack of twelve ounce cans and a four pack of sixteen ounce cans. Like it changes a lot of different things. I'm I'm curious, like for you know the the normal beer drinkers around the city. I don't think it's going to be a shock at all. Like that's kind of what we're getting used to is a lot more of those sixteen ounce releases. Um, but I'm curious, like the uh, and I don't know what that crossover still exists for the greater stuff the way it was on that first one. If it is, you know, there's these people. Oh, you know, I just like greater, so I just this is this is the only craft beer I drink. I just whenever it comes out, I get the greater beer. Yeah. I don't know how many of them are still like the uh, big chunk of the the buyers versus normal just beer drinkers. 
That's a good uh, question. So I'm, I'm curious to see. We'll find. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> cherry. I'm not buying cherry. <laughs> I'm, I'm. I'm more curious about the uh, the 16 ounce versus the 12 ounce. Yeah. If, if the, that catches them off guard, um, I wonder if people are going to see this on the shelf and then get home and be like, "Oh my god, that's that's not black. That's what is that?" <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a it's a fantastic beer though. I'm really really enjoying it. Thank you. Um, is the price point the same or? I mean, look at my speaking notes. <laughs> Uh, availability and price. Local retailers, always at Kroger. And I'm uh, assuming that... thirteen ninety nine okay. for our four-pack. I'm assuming that this show will post about the same time that the press release is going out. So there will probably be a post on my website that has all of the specifics and details about um, this release. So yeah, he gave you me can go one, out, two, put a three, link four, or something. Five, six, seven, eight, nine. He gave me nine bullet points. <laughs> so I'm are, are we missing anything so far? Uh, the release weekend, what's going on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, key talking points. We talked about the new pack type. <laughs> Premium ingredients was mentioned. I didn't even know it was a talking point. <laughs> uh, availability and price we talked about. White stout education. People don't fully understand this. Oh, white, could, white could, stout education. We could dive in. I mean, if it <laughs> seems to be white stout education. What is a white stout? Yeah, so because those are two things that don't go together. Stouts correct. are big and they're dark and they're. Yeah. Uh, so it's kind of this. I don't I think white stouts kind of get made fun of a lot in the beer community because it's not really a style, it's a take on a style. I don't know that that's. I think that people have loosened up on that a little bit because there's a lot of made-up styles yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. This is very true. Uh, so, yeah, it's a white stout. We live in the city a, of the Midwest fruit tart. <laughs> this is very true. Uh, white stout is this idea that you can take a beer that looks like a, a golden ale or a blonde ale or an American lager. Uh, you know, you've got that straw color with the white head, and then you can make it smell, taste, sensory, uh, evaluation would would be that of a big bold stout. So that those are usually uh, dark brown to black in color. They're usually opaque, uh, tan uh, to brown head, um, and you know you've got the the maltiness, the full body, the roastiness, the the. Um, there are words that I can't think of. But you've got that maltiness, the roastiness, and you've got those coffee notes and those chocolate notes right. and and caramel and all of those things and. Uh, the thought of a white stout is that you can take all of that and put it into a package that looks like a golden ale. Um, and so the way you do that is you brew a beer uh, that has a little bit more body, uh, a little bit more alcohol, so that would be at an alcohol level of uh, a stout. This one particular is 7.4% ABV. Um, and then later on in the process, you add cocoa nibs and coffee so that you get those aromas and flavors. And it kind of kind of tricks your brain. If you if you try a white stout with your eyes closed, it should be reminiscent of drinking a stout. You open your eyes and like, holy cow, why am I drinking a lager? <laughs> uh, and it's just it's kind of a lot of fun. Um, and we particularly chose a white stout this year, as I mentioned before, because we really wanted we really wanted that cherry that we added to give it that beautiful red color. Right. I uh, I'm curious to see this recipe without the cherry to see what it really looks like because like I said it it's it's it, with that cherry and it, it's way 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 brighter and kind of it almost um, has like a mahogany color yeah it's it's a really pretty beer uh, now I'm gonna make a effort to say the word mahogany on every <laughs> podcast moving forward um, I'll put notes um, some white stout stuff in the the show notes too there's some articles. Um, I guess I could link to the October one, even though I don't really like October that much. But they have White Stout Gimmick or Gateway Beer. <laughs> um, Beerandbrewing.com has one that's considering the White Stout. Um, I was trying to find out who had the first one locally. Because um, in my head, I'm remembering um, 50 West doing one that I thought was called like Luck or something like that, but I can't find anything. I want to. In my notes. Was it 2006? 2017, 2016, we did a collaboration. It was the the first time we ever brewed Bluff right. was with Matt Utter when he was with Cincy Winter Beer Fest. Right. Um, and it was our collab. Because do you remember when the year that Beer Fest did collaborations yeah. with all the brewers? Right. That was our collaboration with them. I think it was either 16 or 17. But if somebody came out with a white set before then, then there they was would. definitely one before that. This was like when. Like I almost feel like it might have been a collaboration with Blank Slate. And that would make a lot of sense. 
50 west maybe which is actually interesting now look at, i i don't know i and i my quick googling and quick diving into my notes isn't turning up anything and it's making me feel self-conscious about my note-taking ability if i don't have that in there <laughs> um there's um there's a few around town um obviously uh penguin comes out like once a year yep. what other white stouts are there that are regularly released though like know. there's not a lot. It's not a normal style, no. and it's it's really hard to explain to people. I know that um, not that long ago we were um, drinking. So my my stepdad is is slacking lately on his beer selection in his fridge. He's got some kind of I don't know Bible study group or something that comes over, and they all drink something horrible. <laughs> and so the fridge is always full of that lately. And um, there's always some storm in there, and there's. Um, something else I can't remember now, but um, I stopped over there to they um, babysit a couple days a week for us, and I stopped over to grab a beer while we were packing everything up. And um, there was a white stout in there. And I'm like, that's that's really weird for you to put in there. And so now I'm, I'm curious if he knew what it was or if it was just he thought it was a stout. And he's like, oh yeah, the, you know those boys like dark beers. I'll get this. <laughs> I don't know, um, but. Um, it's it's a really strange style sometimes. There's some that lean really heavy just into the chocolate, and it's like okay, this is just a you know a, a, a lighter beer with chocolate in it, and it's like it's missing the, kind of the point of trying to build these things that kind of trick the mind. And um, it's a, it's a fun kind it's, of it's a, a fun, fun style. It's a fun style. It's a fun beer to brew because you get to do that kind of in in your recipe development. You kind of get this ability to critique and make a point to really play on a stout so it gives you a lot of flexibility and the team had a lot of fun with it too well it kind of it kind of starts to question you know the things that make a stout a stout and you know in in just the taste like it's not you know there you know granted a lot of the tasting we do is with our eyes and that has you know a definite um a value to a beer you know beer is supposed to be beautiful um supposed to be i've had a lot of beers lately that are just aren't <laughs> um <laughs> But it, it's fun sometimes to, to break that apart and try to figure out what you actually taste in a style and, and, and what those actual pieces are. And can you do that in a different way and still give you those things, you know, yeah. which in this world of uh, hazy New England IPAs and that kind of stuff, it, you know, it opens up a whole other can of worms of questions of, you know, how much does this play into it? You know, how much, how, how important is the haze? How important, yeah. you know, is versus just the flavors you're getting out of it. And, um, I don't know, it's a, it's fun and stouts are really fun because, it is, it, you know, everybody thinks, you know, oh, it's supposed to be dark. <laughs> um, what other do you guys have any other fun collaborations that you are uh, um, playing around with that are similar to the graders thing because this has been like a a huge part of what Braxton is about in the last few years is this this collaboration with graders and um, I feel like there's a lot of uh, a lot of like I said a lot of similarities between the two companies yeah. and it's it's interesting how that's kind of settled into being a collaboration that just makes sense but is there any other stuff that you guys are working on then? nothing nothing like graders um, there's a collaboration or two on the horizon that we've not really firmed anything up with we're we're trying to get into and, and all the, the brewing team and, and Zach at labs uh, and, and bird at, at barrel house really want to get into more collaborations maybe not necessarily to this scale but really just kind of getting back to what craft brewing used to be right. uh, with with the local breweries, um, whether we brew it or they brew it, but teaming up to make something cool. Uh, so we're going to try to get back into more of that either, you know, mid to late this year, early next year, um, kind of put some stuff together, but nothing, nothing need, like this. I think we need a lot more stuff like that to happen. Not, and you know, it's, it's, it's easy to do it for a special event or something like that, but I just, I just want to see it randomly and yeah. just to see people getting together and. I know how much fun that can be to kind of just hang out and collaborate and shoot the shit while you're making a beer yep. and kind of see where it goes. And the beer itself is not even that important. Is it's the process and the camaraderie that comes with it. The community that yeah. needs needs that right now more than um, it did when it was a, a more popular thing. I agree. <laughs> so I, I, I hope to see more of that. Um, what other stuff is on the horizon that you're allowed to talk about that's uh, that's coming that's fun? Hmm. I mean, you talked about Barrel House, the the breweries coming online finally and getting rolling. Um, that's the, a lot. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of fun in and of itself. Um, 
we now have one person to manage our entire barrel program, which is awesome. So keep what your is, what is that person's job title? It has uh, to be something good. I believe I really wanted it to be uh, when I say barrel monger, but I think it's just lead barrel house brewer. Oh, that's boring. Um, no, it means like king of the barrels or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> but uh, no, so he he's managed. So he runs the barrel house facility, but he also manages all of our barrel inventory. Uh, in the process of relocating all of our barrels from our warehouse in Ludlow to the facility in Fort Mitchell uh, was eye-opening. Like, we found we our inventory, we did our best to keep the inventory right, but you would understand if you saw our warehouse, um, barrels were stacked five, six, seven high in <laughs> rows that you couldn't walk you in between. You a better spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you couldn't walk in between rows, so you couldn't get what the numbers were if you wanted to identify a barrel. Tasting barrels regularly was quite a challenge because you had to have plenty of floor space, which we did not. Um, so we took inventory as we were bringing over, and once they were all in Fort Mitchell, we over the three or four weeks, we did regularly scheduled tastings to see if inventory matched up with what we had. We found a couple barrels. We lost a couple barrels. Some were contaminated. Um, but we've got a lot of really good stuff. We've got barrels that are three, four years old. Um, keep your eye out for any beer that goes on tap at Barrel House. Uh, I think the goal is to do one a month there. Uh, moving forward uh, with some bottles as well. Um, but there's a lot and of really cool stuff you can there. Keep an eye out on social media. Oh, yeah. Um, like Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. There's Barrel House yep. accounts for all that. And um, you do see we do random stuff being tapped. And um, a lot more often, too, like it, um, even on more of a, a bigger scale, like uh, we see more dark charge being tapped on kind of random times oh, and yeah. uh, some fun things that. Who was I talking to the other day? I was talking to somebody that was, uh, oh, I was talking to a family member. We were, uh, we were out and we were grabbing dinner and he was getting ready to head home and was asking me about, uh, some, some beer that was not a great beer in my opinion. He's like, I was going to grab that at Jungle Gems because he lives over by Eastgate. And he's like, you know, is there, is there something else I should be drinking? Cause they don't have it on anymore. And so I you know, pulled up untapped to see what jungle gyms had on tap and they had the, the Mandarin <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, Oh, the, easily. You're just going to do this. This will, this will blow you away. This is one of those beers that you, you don't get to see that often just randomly on tap at a place. And so we're starting to see some stuff like that happening uh, from you guys. That's, yeah. that's again, exciting. There's, um, uh, normal beers are, are normal. You know, it's, it's not, um, it's not crazy to see uh, Tropic Flare, Storm, or whatever it is on tap somewhere, but to be able to start digging into some of those other special releases and make special more normal, and maybe yeah. not the same beer, but to, to, to expect something that's unique and something that's a um, one-off or one-off feeling is is what I love about people being able to stretch their wings a little bit. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I'm excited to see where it goes. Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, uh, what are, what are some of the things as you guys have kind of, kind of started to, to grow a little bit and kind of started to run into, um, the difficulties that you might not have anticipated. <laughs> um, uh, yeast. <laughs> yeast is very expensive. <laughs> Uh, we decided that uh, late last year, we decided we we're going to start yeast propagation, which a lot of breweries our size and a little bit bigger uh, are doing. Um, right. And so right back there where our CIP skid used to be, we built a clean room for yeast propagation. So we'll be propping our own yeast just to reduce cost. This is why you have Tropic Flare, yeah. Tropic Flare in a six pack now for the same price, um, because a giant cost uh center for tropic flare was yeast cost because every we couldn't couldn't harvest it we couldn't repitch it it was a one and done pitch and you know it's close to two thousand dollars every time you make a tank right um and so we've we've taken this on and it's scary it's exciting and scary at the same time um yeast are very finicky little creatures and you want them as clean as possible uh so um one of my big projects for the last you know six months or so has been to get us online with yeast propagation and we're right around the time where we're starting it getting fired up and it had a lot to do with this whole kind of rearrangement of the brewery but um it should great it, it opens up a lot of avenues like taking a 999 four pack and making it a 999 six pack um but it's also scary at the time at the same time so we've got our quality team has a new focus now and and we've added a lot of instrumentation to make sure that we're as clean as possible um, and and that nothing is growing and the yeast is free and clear like 
it's a very big undertaking that a oh, lot of bre- that a lot of breweries do. And you're like, oh yeah, yeast propagation that that makes a ton of sense. They're huge. They, it's it's a huge cost savings, and you have to be very 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 um, focused when you do it. Um, so that's been a big one that we didn't really ever see coming. Um, like I said, I'm very excited to get to the point where we're doing it, uh, but I'm also very nervous about it as well because you have to be very regimented and very specific on how you handle that type of thing. Does that make it easy? Like, I, I know I've talked to some breweries that are, you know, especially talking about loggers and things like that. It's like, oh, no, we, we, you know, yeah, we'll make loggers, but when we do, we have to plan it out because, you know, we've got to use the yeast and make sure we're, you, yeah. know, you know. Does that make things like that easier then because you can have something kind of, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how, it, I don't know how it works here. Do you have something like that banked where you can kind of, it's, it's frozen here and you can kind of, we, we're not to the I point where we're, yeah. we're not to the point where we're banking yet, right. um, but we will get to that point. Uh, the, the I have main... taken a tour of white labs. Is that what that looks like back there? <laughs> no, nothing close. <laughs> that place is crazy. If you uh, are ever down in Asheville, um, take a tour of white labs and hang out there and have some beer and, and some food because they've, that's a really fun place. Oh, but yeah. the, uh, the, yeast side of it is, is crazy <laughs> it's absolutely mind-blowing to me oh it's awesome um but no so we're, we're, we'll get to the point where we're banking we're not there yet um uh, the the primary reason we did this was to reduce cost in tropic flare uh it also gives us it, it reduces cost across the board so now if, if we wanted to make uh like a twisted bit right, right. um and we didn't have that yeast instead of, and we didn't have a plan for a lager after Twisted Bit. We wouldn't necessarily have to worry that much about the cost of bringing in that can, lager yeast because I can prop up a small pitch that's very less expensive, much more or less expensive. Um, and then, and then if we have to dump it, we dump it and we move on. Gotcha. Um, so it gives you a little bit more flexibility as long as your scheduling is is adequate and you know when you need to prop it, so you know when you need to pitch it. So part of um, part of the expansions, I guess, in the last what has it been like a, the last year or so, uh, with the rooftop and then the new canning line and all that stuff. Part of that was a lab. Yep. And I, I assume that all kind of plays into it with uh, quality control and you know everybody talks about how important that is. And I don't, oh yeah, I don't know how um, how much the average person understands the. Uh, um, what goes into just oh, that it's, word? It's cra- yeah, it's crazy. We've <laughs> always been adamant about quality control from day one. Uh, we opened uh, with a very small lab, um, and it's grown with us. Um, and it was kind of in this like, hey, we have this weird room. We don't really know what to do with. That's going to be your lab. So like, reform a closet into a lab, and that was what we dealt with for two or three years. Here's we, your sink and your microscope. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's really all it was. Um, it was back when we had an open air office space that shared a half wall with the cellar. So anytime the centrifuge was running, you just couldn't hear yourself think. Right. Um, with the whole rooftop addition and, and demo and remodel of the second floor, we added a proper lab space. Uh, and in doing so, we also grew our lab capabilities. And with yeast propagation, like when we, it was very similar to when we brought in our new canning line. We added a bunch of new technology that allowed us to, to analyze cans and seams and all these things that we were doing, but it was a lot more manual, so now it's a lot more automated. Uh, same with yeast propagation. Um, just adding more capability, adding more bodies, um, getting us to where we need to be to make sure that every product that goes out the door is meeting our standards, and that we have data and records on that, so if anything were to happen, we can go back and reference it. Right. And it's a lot of... Um, I'm not a chemist. I'm not a microbiologist. We've got one of each of those on our quality staff. They do incredible things. A lot of it goes over my head, and I'm not <laughs> embarrassed to admit that. Um, but uh, working with them has, has brought us a step above. Where do you guys go from here? What is... Uh, how do you, like... How much more can you uh, continue to keep growing with the... Uh, the, the, the production footprint you guys have before you kind of max out that and it becomes just digging in and focusing here or is there a next step where you it's a great question um right now our goal is to finish this construction <laughs> project that's been like Isn't that always your goal it's, just, it's, oh, we got to finish this project it <laughs> feels like it's been you know nine months in the making um you know, we, we, if you recall, we used to have a spiral staircase that took us. That's gone. 
I mean, like, there's all, like, we've changed everything so much. We put a yeast propagation room in the middle of our cellar. Like, uh, it's it's been kind of trying on everybody back there. It seems not, um, it seems like it's not the most efficient way to go about things to keep cramming stuff in here. It's not. Yet, you guys have, have maintained that this is, this is HQ, this is where, this is where Braxton lives, this is, this is home base. And from what I understand, there's there's no idea of that not being the case. Correct, and that and that hasn't changed. Like, I I, I do think that this is probably the last cellar addition that we'll have in this space because there's just no room for right. for any more. All um, of the bar stools will soon be turned into small <laughs> small fermenters. fermenters. <laughs> uh, we've we've got approval to put tanks outside, and we've had that for several years. But it's a huge investment. And we've right. not we've not wanted to bite that bullet yet. That's why we got creative with doing what we did this time. Um, but yeah, our goal is really to finish what we've got going here and then focus on focus on just production, getting caught up. We had a we had a couple weeks shut down around Christmas to to do most of this construction and some maintenance issues that we needed to take care of. So we're playing catch up, um, and now we're prepping for some new releases, um, seasonals, that kind of stuff. So we're 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 not really we're definitely not leaving Covington. Uh, we're staying here. Um, you know, we've committed to that, and I think that's going to stick. You have um, to stay here. You can't get these tanks back out of the building. That's <laughs> true. That is true. They've got two more to bring in tomorrow, and, and that's uh, for our seller. That's probably it here. It, that that will take us to significant volume, though. Um, a lot bigger volume than I thought we'd ever be able to produce out of this building. So that's pretty cool. Well, and, and Labs does put out something, and there is you know ideas that you could you could continue to you guys have have nailed the idea of multiple tap rooms that serve other purposes yep. too and there's there's still room for that to continue to grow i i've j- joked with with jake a lot that i'm just waiting for that otr vive tap room that's got <laughs> flashing lights and like some kind of thumping techno Disco music and then a bunch of really big tanks <laughs> just big giant fermenters that just crank out vive all the time <laughs> um is there any uh, everybody likes to talk about craft beer bubbles and that kind of stuff and that's not necessarily the question but is there any fear on what's happening with craft beer and the growth of craft beer and and that slowing down or a bubble popping or however you want to word it i don't i don't think so um i think what it comes Do down you to feel the same way about the industry today as you did not the same that's probably not the right way to word it but do you feel as optimistic about what this industry is growing into today as you did when you oh opened? no absolutely not it's definitely evolving it's changing it changes every year it continues to evolve i where i was going with that it, it, you have to stay creative and you have to stay product focused um it doesn't mean you need to go out and chase every trend or what you think is a trend um but there's nothing wrong with a little portfolio diversification right um and so you know we got into we got into the hard seltzer game um we get judged on that a lot across right. all the cincinnati breweries and, I make, and kentucky I make breweries. Plenty of jokes about it too and 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 that's perfectly <laughs> fine but at the same time like craft beer is either down a couple points or up a couple points flat at best uh and seltzers are up hundreds and hundreds of percents right. and continuing to grow uh, it wasn't a chase for us like oh we got to do seltzers to stay in business it was a uh, hey do you think you can make this product and my team and i spent eight nine months on it came up with a product that competes with the national brands right. and now we have things like sponsorships with professional teams and free states and that's pretty cool um, I think it's just keeping an open mind to what the category can be and and moving with the category, not staying complacent. If you stay complacent, you're probably not going to do too well. That's that's a great way to word it because it, it is a, a constantly moving target of what people want, even even ignoring the, uh, the, the, the seltzer side of stuff, like even just within beer, like it's what people want is always changing. It's yep. always shifting. Um, it's, I think that's part of what is so exciting to me to watch these these separate taproom ideas you guys have. It's like, as things shift and change, there's a space for that. If oh, yeah. if somebody wants New England IPAs, 
they can still go to Braxton and get their New England IPAs. If they want barrel-aged beer, they can still go to Braxton yep. and get their barrel-aged and have a spot that, that, is, that is focused on that and feels like that. And, like, and that's the coolest thing about it is with multiple tap rooms and staying open-minded to what the industry is doing and where it's going. Um, you know, when we opened, IPAs were all the rage. Now, guess what's all the rage? Craft lagers. Guess what we've been doing from day one? Right. Craft lagers. Garage beer jumped to our number one spot with Tropic Flare right behind it. Like, it's really cool to see. I always wanted a number one selling craft lager in a 15-pack. Right. I didn't know it would ever happen. <laughs> but now we have that, and it's it's an animal. Uh, and that's, you know, I, it's a huge segment of craft. I very tonight. ironically always keep garage beer in my garage fridge. Yep. It's the perfect <laughs> it's, garage it's beer. it's supposed to go. Oh, exactly. <laughs> I love exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> Um, where do you see you, we, we talk about the, the, the shifting kind of idea of what this market looks like where do you see it going do you see like do you see the seltzer thing still continuing to grow do you see I, you know everybody talked for years about cider taking off and becoming something and it just never, never has do you see that eventually like becoming something still like do you I think the whole this whole is craft, distilling the future. I mean, like, I think the ready to drink cocktails are going to continue to grow. Um, that and that takes place with with either a, a blending license or a distilling license. Right. But uh, I think the, the this segment, craft, and the industry as a whole is going to the consumer is going to continue to move into a a better for you drinking option whether it's seltzers whether it's all the locale ipas you guys have whether a locale it's the, ipa on tap right yeah, now whether it's the the locale lager whatever like, there's a ton of different uh options but that consumer is growing by the numbers especially with the younger generations coming of drinking age they want a healthier for you option so while a lot of people think seltzers are going to kind of die off and not stick around i think the people that are drinking seltzers are drinking them because that could it could slowly move into the new light beer, um, and so that coupled with your locale IPAs and your locale lagers like Saint Archer Gold uh, and Mick Ultra being up, you know, fifteen twenty percent, like those things. I think that's where kind of this whole thing is moving. I think you're always going to have your storms and your tropic flares and your your regular craft beers that aren't focused to the active lifestyle or the healthier drinking person. I think that. I think they're just two consumers, and I think that that consumer base that wants the better for you option is going to continue to continue to grow. What um, what gets you excited right now, though? I mean, it's hard to as much as as much as we can't ignore the thing with with the seltzer or with low calorie beers or whatever it is. They're also not very exciting from a beer no. drinker's perspective. No, not at all. Uh, so we got a lot of fun stuff. Um, we. It's. I will say most excited I'm ready for this project to be an end. <laughs> uh, but I've got a laundry list of things that I'm supposed to be playing around with, R&D, all this, some new products, uh, some retiring products, some replacements coming in. And, and I, think I'll, excuse me, I think a lot of them are going to be big hits. What was the last beer that you had that was not your own that got you excited? Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. <laughs> that is the geekiest answer oh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> I had one the I had one last night actually. <laughs> I will I will is, say though, like I you know, I don't buy it nearly as often as I probably should, but every time and especially in the last year or two, like every time I've I've got one and I've drank it, it's it really perfect. it's like oh my god, it's oh yeah. So good. Oh yeah, that's what it tasted yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> it and it's just for me it's it's one of the beers that I purchase regularly. Um, I want to be able to brew it. And <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> like, that's pushed a lot of people into brewing I know, and I know. Uh, driven and so a lot funny, of people the crazy. The funniest thing about that was I like I've always I've had it. You know, six years ago I had it and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like this crazy fan about that beer. Like I was like, yeah, it's good, whatever. I'll drink right. something else. Um, and now I've just become such a huge fan. I don't know why. I don't know what changed. I don't. I want that beer and I want to make that beer and it's so damn good that I just I try to keep it in my fridge because there's a time where I don't want a garage beer. It's like. I'll have right. pale ale, and we don't have a good pale ale um, that comes close to that. But it's it's hard to come close to that. Correct. And for a lot of different reasons, though, too. There is not just that it's a great beer, but there is just such a, a history behind it and a, a nostalgia for a lot of people. Everybody remembers, you know, drinking that first Sierra Nevada pale ale, and that that plays into that that whole brand of oh, what yeah. it is. And like you can't you can't ignore that. Like you can't make Sierra Nevada pale ale. Because it's here in Nevada Pale Ale, exactly. You know, and uh, it's. Uh, I hope that other things that you guys do can have the the room to become that be it storm or whatever it yeah. is. It's. I, 
Storm is not always going to be the most popular beer in the world, but everybody is going to remember their first Storm, right on. you know, and I think that's that's an important thing. And it's like I, I'm curious. I would love to sit down with Sierra Nevada and actually you know, have a conversation. About, like, was there that moment where it was like, oh, Sierra Nevada is just not popular. Nobody cares about it. It's just a pale ale. Maybe we push it aside and we make something else and, and don't make pale ale anymore. And like, I, I'm curious if that discussion ever happened because <laughs> um, I, it, it, there had to have been that point oh, where yeah. it was being outsold by everything else For sure. and it was sitting on shelves and getting old. And like, I, I don't know. Like it's, it's as things keep, uh, keep changing. I, I can see that there's gotta be a difficulty and things like that. Yeah. I no, know. I, I, you got, like I said, you got to stay, you got to stay fluid within the industry. It, it's going to, it's going to continuous. Oh, wow, man. <laughs> Screw that one up. It's going to continuously change. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see, I mean, Cincinnati's craft beer scene is still really, really young. And like, you know, you look at, um, the, the, you know, the biggest brewery in town is, is what, six, seven years old. Something yep. like, like it's, it's nothing. It's oh, yeah. a drop in the bucket compared to places like Sierra Nevada. And it's like, we, we don't even know what we're doing yet. Like yep. it's, <laughs> it's crazy. Who knows, who knows what it'll be when, when, you know, uh, the kids of today are, you know, walking out and grabbing whatever they're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> be, you know, 10 years from now. <laughs> Who knows what the next big thing is then? Um, is there anything else you want people to know? Did we get all your talking points? We did. We uh, hit them all. Every single one of them. Extra credit. Uh, <laughs> no, not that I can think of. Uh, try give this Graders beer a shout though. Um, it's uh, it's pretty good. And like, there's definitely gonna, there's. I don't know exactly when this episode is airing, but it will be very close to when probably when the announcement is is coming out about that, and um, you can click on those probably a link to an article that'll tell you all of the details about the release which is happening probably probably in a weekend very close to now yeah <laughs> uh, i have that information if you'd like me to you have give the that actual out. dates yeah uh graders release weekend is friday february 28th through sunday march 1st friday the 28th we'll have donuts and coffee uh in a coffee emporium pairing and we can sample some ice cream Saturday the 29th, there's a sampling of the beer and the ice cream, uh, DJ in the tap room, and a photo booth. And on Sunday, March 1st, Sunday, there's a Sunday bar and a penguin visit from the Cincinnati Zoo. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm assuming that's this weekend when you're listening to this. There you go. That's my assumption, but uh, I'll, we still haven't received word of when I'm supposed to post this. <laughs> Maybe I'll just uh, I'll post snippets of it here and there. <laughs> um, thank you very much. Oh no, thanks for um, having me. Happy to be on again. And everybody, please uh, please get out and uh, try this and the upcoming Graders releases. You're going to hear more about those in the uh, the coming months. And, we'll have uh, to do one before the next release. Yes, the next release is going to be way more difficult because I'm going to have an infant at home. That's why we're recording all of these things so early. <laughs> Because I don't know how I'm going to make it all work. <laughs> um, uh, we were joking what is now a couple weeks ago when I was at Wooden Cask that I may be live streaming my weekly live stream show from the hospital with an infant. I don't, I don't really know yet. I haven't told my wife that. Um, thank you guys very much. If you uh, like the show, share it with people. Tell people about it. Um, you can always go to thenarlygnome.com slash support, and that helps too. But share it, please. Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. <laughs>